watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to A Pirate's Life for Me on the Sports Objective. Join us every Friday at noon as we catch up with a member of Pirate Nation. Here's your host, Bubba Rosenbaum. What is going on, Pirate Nation? Welcome in to the Sports Objective and another edition of A Pirate's Life for Me. We hope everyone had an excellent 4th of July with friends and family. East Carolina football is obviously only a month away from the start of official practice. And right now, let's go out to Dallas, Texas and catch up with East Carolina football alum and Dr. Tabi, former defensive lineman Alex Turner. Alex, we appreciate your time this evening. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, obviously, you're back in your home state. You have been for a few years now since your East Carolina time ended. And, you know, you're originally from Houston. Now you're in Dallas. And we'll talk about what you have going on there uh, at Texas Southwestern. But, uh, you know, just take us back to, I guess, what, 2016, 2015, 2016, and uh, your path to East Carolina. Tell us about your recruitment. Yeah, so that's a guy I haven't asked that in a while. But um, it started around my junior year of uh junior year of high school I uh, didn't have really have a lot of offers and really had a lot of um, people looking at me um, and I kind of went through the whole junior year kind of going to camps trying to get recruited trying to get my um, get looked at by college scouts and then um, and then I ended up playing my senior year and still really didn't have very many offers maybe from a couple d3 d2 schools and then around um, around January I had my the coach at the time, Dr. Um, coach Thompson at um, at Vanderbilt for D line was um, actually ended up reaching out and recruiting me there. And a little into that process, they ended up already kind of signing all their guys. So then the opportunity sh shut and, you know, it was kind of radio silence for a while. And then about about two weeks, week or two before signing day, actually, he reached back. He reached back out to me and asked me if if I would be interested in East Carolina University because um, he was at the program now as, as the defensive coordinator. So, I mean, in, he, anyone could tell you in athletics, you say yes to everything. So I said yes, not really knowing what the school was or even really where what part of the Carolinas it was in. But um, I agreed and I started doing some research. And in about the next week, he decided to fly in um, to Houston because he is also originally from Houston and he flew in he came for a home visit visited me at my school he came about he came on a Wednesday to my school on Thursday he came for a home visit and we talked about the school like with the program the changes that were going to happen and then that was the first year that coach Mo had just arrived and you know he actually left my house and then came back about 10 minutes later and told me that the, the head coach decided to call back and offer me so then I ended up flying out the next morning um, for an official visit. So it was my first official visit, and I flew out to Greenville, North Carolina. And I just remember falling in love with the place. I loved the red brick. I thought the campus was gorgeous. The kind of the East Carolina like energy was just was just uncomparable to anywhere else. And it just kind of felt like, yeah, this is where I need to go, and this is where I need to be. And so I ended up. I ended up signing or committing that weekend. And then, yeah, the rest is history. 
Yeah, that's something you hear from East Carolina coaches, whether it's football or otherwise, all the time. You know, you know, uh, once they get on campus, they have a very high success rate, and they fall in love with the place, whether it's Pirate Nation, the campus, or, or what have you. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, but before we talk about that time as a pirate, you know, talk a little about your childhood. I know. You had uh, you were what third generation playing Division One college football. Your dad had played as a tight end in Ole Miss, and um, your grandfather had played as a defensive back at New Mexico State. Um, I was noticing that early, earlier today in preparing for this interview. But uh, you know, talk about your your athletics. Um, you know, during during your childhood, whether it's football or other sports you may have played. Yeah. So as a um... As a kid, I, I played, or I tried to do at least just about everything. I played, um, I played baseball. I did basketball. That was actually my favorite sport at the time. And it's funny because when I first started playing football, I actually did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> and I thought I was a basketball player. So it wasn't until I got to like the end of middle school into like seventh, eighth grade. Um, my coaches actually made me like try out and that's what kind of got me like into football and really made me start enjoying it again. And, you know, I think the biggest thing for me that helped me figure out what really I, like what I really enjoyed about football was experiencing a lot of other sports at the same time. I did, I did track and field. I did wrestling. I did uh, tennis at one point. Uh, and, you know, nothing really kind of felt the same as football. It's something about the contact sport and just kind of the camaraderie of a team and just having to work together and all the like, have to be so fundamental to make things work. Not to get off on too big of a tangent, but uh, that's something uh, you're talking about, not specializing, playing multiple sports, and that's something I wholeheartedly believe in. I think there is a time where an individual may might ought to specialize, but uh, generally speaking, I, I don't think that should occur until later on. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I feel like you never know what – potential you might have for any kind of activity or sport and if you don't try it if you don't try all of them you'll never know because I'm sure there's there's some great baseball players out there who could have been great football players and vice versa same with basketball or any other sport and a, and a lot of times you hear I mean there are different schools of thoughts there uh, sometimes you know coaches will say the politically correct thing while having another mindset and really uh, promoting specialization but um uh, it seems more often than not, you, uh, you think East Carolina baseball coach Cliff Godwin, you know, he, he says, you know, if he has a, a baseball only guy or a guy that you know, is right there on that same level, but um, play multiple sports, a lot of times he'll take that guy that was a multi-sport athlete just because of um, some of the intangibles and so forth that he brings to the table. Yeah, I think that I think that each sport, um, especially in college athletics, really it's they're all unique and you take so many different like life lessons and different kinds of discipline. And I think that, I mean, it completely makes sense. And I had to see it from a coaching standpoint, why you would bring up, you would bring in the multi-athletic athletic guy who's playing multiple sports. So once arriving in Greenville, uh, like you said, it was kind of the changing of the guard at the East Carolina football program, Scotty Montgomery taking over for Ruffin McNeil. Uh, there won't dive too deeply into that, but, um, but just, with Coach Mo and staff taking over, you, you say, you know, first defensive coordinator, uh, then uh, then uh, Kenwick Thompson. 
was the one who handled your recruitment uh, because he had been recruiting you to Vanderbilt previously. So uh, talk about that transition to Division One college football. You had the opportunity to play, um, I think, seven games as a true freshman and see some action. Yeah, I think it was a uh, it was a huge just change in general. I don't think that I think that people are surprised with the level of competition in the American Athletic Conference. And I didn't even know the level of competition until I joined. And, you know, we had some really freak athletes on our team, as well as a lot of other teams that we played. And it was, um, I think, the biggest adjustment you can make from being a high school athlete to a college athlete is a lot of it is like conditioning, conditioning, strength and conditioning, all of it. But at the same time is really learning, like learning the game and learning your craft. And I think that's the hardest part is in high school, you can get get away with having that technique because you're just naturally better than other guys. But in college, that doesn't work because everyone everyone who's the best is there. Very true. Uh, so uh, in, in that 2016 season, um, Pirates got off to an excellent start. Uh, you, you got an excellent taste of what Pirate Nation was like uh, win, winning your first couple games, and then you, you had a near miss down at South Carolina. But uh, talk about that NC State game and winning such a thriller there as a true freshman. Yeah, that was um, that was my true uh, look into what Pirate Nation was about. And yeah, I remember it was exhilarating. I think about it to this day. I can remember it crystal clear because um, every time people ask me about it, it's either that game or it's our or it's the junior year game versus UNC. And those are probably the most exhilarating games I've had the, the pleasure to be a part of and just being able to experience just everything that Pirate Nation is. I mean, it's the, the fans are undying. They're undaunted. They, they give everything they have. They really are loyal. And you really felt that. And of course, I mean, having the stadium packed to the brim and people still trying to get in and the whole crowd shaking and you can hear the air vibrating because of the, the screams. I mean, it's, it's an unreal feeling. Moving into your sophomore year, um, you, I don't believe you played in the first couple games, but then you played in 10 games, started six. So talk about uh, making that transition, going from a, a reserve role to, to starting half the games and then, and then being named at year's end the, the big man of the year in the program. Yeah. So um, actually, and it's, it's interesting, a lot of people don't know this, but around the um, – during a training camp, I actually got um, a really bad staph infection in my left quad um, that put me in the hospital for about a week um, during um, during training camp in the fall. And I was actually set to start going into the um, my sophomore year, but then because I was set back by the um, the infect the staph infection, I had um, I ended up having like a hole playing with a hole in my leg essentially the whole year. And I had a, um, I basically I had a cyst in my left, my left uh, quadricep, and pretty much had to uh, pack that after every practice and uh, reclean it. And you know, also on top of that, we had a whole new coaching staff that came in, and I had um, just about every year of my college football season, we actually I had a new defensive coordinator and a new D line coach. So about. Early in the season, Kenwick Thompson was fired, and then the D-line coach at the time was also um, ended up going somewhere else. 
Yeah, very true. And, and that's something that I was had actually made a little bullet point to ask you about. Uh, you know, the challenge that presented, uh, you know, going from Kenwick Thompson and then you and then you had, um, of course, um, Jeff Hansen had been your position or was your position coach rather when Coach Houston and staff took over. Yeah. So, and just talk about the challenge that presented uh, ha having so much turnover uh, in your your coordinator and your position coach. I think that, I think in all honesty, I mean, I learned a lot of football, but as a team, team wise, you really can't build a good foundation if you're continuously turning over every single year. As soon as guys start to get the program, they change it up. And yeah, football is football and it has some very basic set of rules, but I mean, we had so many different personalities of coaches coming in and coming out of East Carolina and there was just not any consistency. And that was the, that was probably the hardest part problem and hardest part about playing there was there wasn't consistency and it didn't allow for any players to grow. A lot of my teammates couldn't learn the playbook as quickly and because it was changing every year and basically changing after every season, they weren't ever getting a chance to really solidify their knowledge of the game. In that 2018 season, you had David Blackwell come in as uh, defensive coordinator. Coach Blackwell, of course, was a pirate, um, had been an offensive lineman back in the early 90s and then had been a student assistant coach. But uh, Coach Blackwell, you know, there in the last two or three games of the season, uh, things didn't go the way you guys would have liked. That goes without saying. But um, for a bigger part of that year, uh, you were showing progress on the defensive side. And and one of the uh, real surprises that year, talk about Nate Harvey. And former former running back was something like sixth or seventh on the depth chart. And then he became one of the top defensive players in the, the nation and uh, was atop the statistical categories uh, you know, for, for sacks and TFLs. Yeah, that um... – that guy, Nate Harvey, he is um, he is a phenomenal athlete. And I think that it just goes to show that even at some of these big, big programs, um, there's some dudes who are lower down in rosters and other positions that could really shine in, in other spots on the field. And he was just an absolute monster. I mean, and, you know, what really made it for him was his, like, his work ethic. It was ridiculous. He just he, – I mean, he'd be – nearly throwing up at the end of every practice he was running to the ball when no one else was he really sold out every day and that's and it showed it showed it on the games it really did and you know working coaching um playing under coach blackwell was an, a phenomenal opportunity um just he's one of the best defensive coordinators i've ever played with played for before um real real great coach um really down to earth and just like honest guy you also had an excellent 2018 season. Um, that year, you had close to 50 tackles, which is is a solid number for a defensive lineman. Um, and then you ha had the second most TFLs on the team with 10 and a half, and ra ranking top 15 in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, so, uh, so talk about your memories of of your junior season. The junior season was actually my favorite year of of my time with the Pirates. Um, you know, our defensive team was the closest we've ever been um, in that in our D line room. It was the closest we've ever, ever been before. I mean, 
all those guys, we were like family. And I mean, no matter the outcome of the games and we went on every game and gave it our all. And, you know, it was, it really was a, it was a tough year. A lot of adversity, a lot of challenges happened, but I look back on it as my, one of my fondest years. And it's what I think of, think of the most. So you talk about challenges and, and transitions between 2018 and 2019. You of course had just that um, with, with Coach Mo being let go and, um, and Mike Houston and staff coming into the program. So don't, obviously we're not going to dive too deeply into it, but just talk about, once again, uh, another transition um, in the leadership of the program. Yeah, you know, it, um, it, was, it was tough. It was tough for a lot of us. You know, it's, it's hard when you're a senior now and um, your head coach who brought you in is gone. It's, um, I, I understood – where the senior how the seniors felt when I came in as a freshman when Coach Mo was first taking over for Ruff, uh, Coach Ruff McNeil, and I really understand all the emotions that came with it, um, the feeling like you have to prove yourself, and it's I don't necessarily I don't even attribute that to necessarily Coach Houston or his staff, but I attribute that to how the college football is in general. I mean, if they're coming in to change the program, they're going to start they're going to start picking the weeds and seeing who doesn't belong and who's make who's poisoning the team. So, and so I feel like you kind of have to change your mindset to almost like prove your worth, your worth again, um, even though you have been there um, for four years. But I think that a lot of it is just difficult for many athletes because this isn't the staff that brought you in and you may not get along with the new staff and they might have different ideas or different ways of coaching styles. And you know, you spend your time getting recruited by these programs and then for them to change their coach, it's just, it's, it's just one of those things that you have to deal with as an athlete. One of the things uh, we, we heard about on, on during that time was the, the style of practice. So tell us about the, the change there um, and with, the, with the style that Coach Houston was bringing in and, and the way he and, he and his staff like to uh, attack practices. Yeah, I'd say that um, – we definitely moved very, very quickly. We it was a nonstop heavy flying around, uh, flying like just I can't even describe it. I mean, we were, we were moving the whole practice. We never stopped running, never stopped getting from drill to drill. It was just a very high intensity, quick practice, and I think that it did um, it did help translate to the game because the game was easy. And at that point, we were like, oh, practice is much harder. And not to say that we didn't practice hard with previous coaching staffs, but, you know, it was just a different tempo. And I think that um, I think that just comes with their different kind of uh, coaching style and practice practice style. In 2019, um, one of the things Coach Houston um, and, and staff certainly, um, you know, made no bones about there, there wasn't an abundance of depth. Uh, on the defensive line, there was definitely some talent guys like yourself, Kendall Futrell, Chance Purvis, and Jalen Price, to name a few. But uh, talk about um, what a challenge that was, um, playing so many snaps in the trenches. Yeah, that was um, that was a that was a tough time. You know, it's it's funny because I played I played a lot of snaps my junior year as well. I think that I think when I I looked back and I had played around at least 800, um, 800 snaps my junior year. Then around my senior year, I played a thousand snaps, um, minimum. 
my senior year and you know it's 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 taxing on your body and it takes a lot out of you but I always uh, I always I don't know I always believe that you should sell out for your team and completely just sell out so you can't breathe anymore you can't move anymore and just kind of give it your all for any for all the everyone's on that's all that's everyone that is depending on you coach houston really praised you guys i'm saying that i mean from from a first string standpoint that we could stack up with most teams but it was just not being able to roll guys in to give you guys a breather that uh, really caught up with us in the second half and fourth quarter of, of games yeah that was definitely um it was tough i mean you're especially playing some of these tempo teams. I mean, it's, it's tempo, 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 and there's no such thing as at the time. I mean, there was no subs. So it was, it was kind of just a, you got to just fight through it. And that was a a lot of my senior year was kind of just like a fight through it mentality, um, which is tough, which is tough on everyone. I mean, it's mentally taxing and it's physically taxing and, you know, it's, I'd go into practice, um, even earlier in the week when you're supposed to be fresh and feel pretty like still beat up from the game, just because I might've had like, I might've had a hundred snaps, a hundred and 110 snaps just two days ago. And it just takes a toll. This upcoming season in 2023 will be the fourth uh, since you exhausted your eligibility. Hard to believe, but um, the pirates have progressively improved under coach Houston and staff. Uh, two years ago, won seven games, unfortunately unable to play the bowl game. Last year, won seven in the regular season, then uh, really put a sound defeat on the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers down in the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, so talk about the pride that you and your teammates from, from back in 2019 take in seeing guys like Miles Berry, uh, Holt Nailers, et cetera, uh, guys who were newbies to the program really commit and turn the thing around. Yeah, I mean, it was a really, it was a great, it was exciting for me because I watched a lot of these guys come into the program. So getting to see them really kind of flourish and grow into their positions and really, really be successful. I mean, I could wish nothing more for them. I mean, it, uh, it just, it brought me so much joy and happiness to see them succeed. And, and I mean, everyone who's just been on like those hard for years, you know, they deserve it. And a lot of those guys worked their ass off for the whole entire years, all the years that I knew them, and they deserved really all the wins and all the praise. Kind of shifting gears a little bit, Alex. Uh, you're the epitome of a student athlete as far as uh, not only excelling on the field, but also in the classroom community um, as well. So just talk about uh, the importance of academics and you know, where that where that was early in your life. And then obviously uh, as you progressed in, into college and then the, the desire to go to medical school, when did you develop that, that love for medicine? Yeah. So for me, and this is, I say this and I feel almost, I feel lame saying it, but it's, it's funny, but I really do enjoy school. Um, I love learning. I love the opportunity to learn something new. I think that we're all students of life and, you keep learning your whole life, so why not enjoy it? Um, I really strive to be a student in, in, in any experience that I go through. And, you know, I, I've kind of thought that way since I was ki a kid. Um, and I came into um, I came into college actually thinking that I wanted to do, do physics and work for NASA because um, I love space and I love the idea. I would always love the idea of working for NASA. And, 
you know, it, it, it goes back again to my sophomore year when I ended up getting MRSA in my, uh, in my quad, I was, while I was in the hospital, I had a nice, really great opportunity to meet, um, Dr. Dr. Newell. He was a, a trauma surgeon, one of the head trauma surgeons there at Biden hospital at the time. And, you know, he, he was a really amazing guy. He took care of me and, and on honesty, he was the first African-American doctor I had ever met in all my 19 years. So for me, it was huge to see someone who represented me and to see them in that position. And really just the, the respect that he brought when he walked into a room, the, the wisdom he, he possessed and just like his, his kind heart. And, you know, it really inspired me and motivated me to want to be the kind of doctor that he is and that he was for me. And, you know, after I got out of the hospital, um, I started shadowing him and about a month of shadowing him, I decided I want to do medicine and that was going to be my plan. Um, that was going to be my plan for my career someday. And you were a double major uh, in what psychology and neuroscience? Yes, sir. So uh, talk about the challenges uh, of that, um, being a double major and, and, and balancing that with everything that football entails. It was a, it was a busy time. I definitely, I was kept really busy, but you know, the great thing about college football is it really teaches you good time management skills. And I definitely use them to their max, you know, just balancing uh, classwork and trying to get all these assignments turned in and stay up to stay up to date with the curriculum and everything for each of my classes. You know, it was time management is the, the best thing. One of the best lessons I've took from playing college football and being a student athlete. As you made that decision to, you know, to start applying to med schools and so forth, uh, talk about, you know, where all did you consider uh, before, before deciding on Texas Southwestern? So I had a, uh, I applied. So in, typically when you apply for med school, you apply to, you kind of just like shotgun it depending on where you're most interested in. You apply right. to a lot of programs, you send in a lot of applications. Uh, for me, I, part of me wanted to go pretty much when I wanted to go back home, but at the same time I was fine with going anywhere. So I applied to a lot of schools on the West and East coast. Um, and I even, I couldn't apply to Brody school of medicine because I wasn't a North Carolina resident. But I did, um, I actually did get into UNC Chapel Hill <laughs> for, um, I got accepted there. And if I didn't end up going to UT Southwestern, I would have ended up going there. Interesting. Was, was certainly not aware of that. Uh, but, uh, hey, I'm sure a lot of Pirate fans, uh, we'd have definitely been happy for you regardless. But we're, we're glad you got to go back home, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to have uh, gone back home. I don't know if I could have lived that one down. I think, <laughs> I think there've been some conflicting thoughts about it, but. And so you may be aware of this. Um, Alex Flynn, who's currently battling for the starting quarterback job with Mason Garcia as fall camp um, begins uh, here in about a month. Uh, and Alex you know, has plans to go to medical school when, when he wraps up his time as a, as a pirate football player. Wow. I did not. Yeah. I did not know that actually. Um, yeah. I remember Alex. Um, definitely remember when he came in. That's interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm really happy for him. Yeah. So Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator, of course, was kind of kind of laughing about it, saying, you know, 
Alex keeps me sharp on you know, things that I won't remember uh, when we're having a meeting. And he said, "Hey, coach, this is this is what we called it." Yeah, <laughs> I love I love to hear stuff like that. Um, I love I love when you know football players they don't get as much credit as they should for um, just how intelligent they actually are. I had a lot of dudes who were very intelligent guys, and you know I think I think intelligence is not just just school and, and books. You know, there's so many different kinds of intelligence and. I think that it really does show um, with a lot of different players, and I always love to hear them breaking the stereotypes. What area of medicine uh, are, are you specializing in? So I'm thinking of doing um, orthopedic surgery, and if not that, then I'll end up doing emergency medicine. Is, is that something, um, your mentor that you mentioned earlier, um, is that uh... – is that the area that, that he was in, or is that something that uh, you just kind of develop an interest for from from uh, another another source? Yeah, so he was a um, he actually was a, a trauma surgeon. So um, I knew I, that I really enjoyed surgery, and I liked the I loved the idea of working with my hands. Um, but he, um, I actually came into med school wanting to do neurosurgery, and after learning about neurosurgery, I decided that it wasn't for me. And, you know, as being a college athlete and I met so many orthopedic surgeons throughout my life, I really had clicked with them. I connected with them and it just kind of felt like my people and they still feel like the people, even when I go like hang out with uh, like uh, residents now, it just it kind of feels like it just, I just kind of belong. So, you know, that really has what is what has been pulling me towards orthopedics. Kind of going back uh, or, you know, talking about the brain um, with the, from a football standpoint, kind of a little bit of a segue there. Um, so as a defensive lineman, what's your perspective on, in my opinion, as a former quarterback, I think it's gone too far um, as far as um, the ejections for for targeting and so forth. You know, What are your thoughts there? I, I know last year you had Elijah Morris, a defensive lineman like yourself. We were playing Navy, and you know, it, it was certainly nothing intentional when – you know, very, very borderline at, at um, worst. Or, so it was something that here recently we were discussing uh, with East Carolina defense coordinator Blake Carroll and Coach Harrell just, you know, you, you could tell he wasn't going to say a whole lot, but at the same time uh, that it, it was something that uh, he certainly disagreed with as well. Yeah, you know, I think the, I think the game of football is – is ever changing and even even more now there's so many there's so many changes that are happening you know with the all the new protections for quarterbacks um i mean i mean you can't even hit them at all um you really can't i mean there's there's been a lot of good changes like protecting wide receivers but you know it's it's interesting because there's not a lot of new changes that have been set to protect defensive players i mean a guard can still pull and um, cheap shot or, or chop block a defensive lineman coming up the field. You know, a, a, a linebacker can get uh, checked um, from the side by a receiver at any point. You know, sometimes those sometimes um, cornerbacks are left at the drive for someone pulling or someone someone motioning over. It's just, you know, it's it's some of the targeting stuff. I understand it because you want to keep your players safe, but at the same time. I feel like the ref, the refs get put into a bind if it does, if it, if it's even questionable, because the fact is they're, I feel like they're really cracking down on things like that. And, you know, the ref would, I think would rather make the call at the end of the day if it's questionable than to kind of get off and 
have to like reap the repercussions of it. Yeah, I certainly know it's well intended, but uh, in my opinion, it was an overreaction. Uh, I think there are definitely those hits that warrant an ejection, but you, know, you obviously know, uh, as do I, you know, from have, having played at a, uh, I played small college football and just, I, I know the work that goes into it year round. And I, and I think too much is invested uh, to have guys you know, getting tossed from a game or then maybe even missing the next game um, because of something that was certainly not uh, malicious. Yeah. You know, getting it's, it's yeah, And I agree with what you're, I completely agree with what you're saying. Cause I mean, we work all year or only so many games until get kicked out of a whole entire game. It just, it, I mean, I know it breaks some kids hearts cause that's all they've been working for. And one mistake um, completely gets them ejected. You know, there's some, and there's, and there's some calls where you can tell like, okay, that was, that wasn't a, like, that was bad. Like you did hit, you did target him, but then some of it, I mean, it's just like, it's the game. I mean, you can't always stop yourself. It's, it's, it's crazy. Sometimes they expect players just to kind of like break down and get into perfect football form and then make the tackle. And it's just, that's just not realistic. It's, it's sometimes. Right. It's, it's one of those things. Sounds, sounds good in theory, but um, you know, how realistic is it? Um, you know, the game's so fast, as you know, when you're trying to tackle someone like a Keaton Mitchell or, or someone of that caliber in the open field, um, that's, yeah. that's certainly, certainly easier said than done to, to, yeah. to be, to be, to be textbook. Yeah, you're just trying to get him on the ground at that point. <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, taking a look, uh, how much longer do you have in med school um, before before uh, you will be, in fact, uh, Dr. Alex Turner? So I have essentially, I have, uh, I'm an MS3 as of last week, so now I have two two more years. Sounds good, and uh, you know, I know Pirate Nation certainly. We'll be excited or is excited to hear from you, whether it's now or maybe listening to this archive. And w one thing I have for you before we wrap this up, Alex, appreciate your time this evening. I mean, you know, like I said a few minutes ago, you're the epitome of a student athlete as far as excelling in all those areas on the field, in the classroom and in the community. And uh, the Pirate Club, um, of course, funds athletic scholarships. So, you know, if, you, if you're talking to, East Carolina fans who may not be in the Pirate Club or the ones who are, you know, what, what are some things that you would say to, to them as far as, you know, what the opportunity was that, that they provided through, you know, whether it's giving $100 a month or, or much more, but every gift's appreciated and certainly provides the opportunities that you and your teammates and uh, uh, other Pirate players have. Yeah, you know, honestly, um I had the pleasure of getting to meet a lot of uh, ECU Pirate Club members throughout my time at East Carolina. I got to go um, talk to a few of them, go to a couple events. And, you know, they're they're really great people. And, you know, Pirate Nation in general is just so generous and loves to contribute to the program. And I, what I will say um, in kind of a summary, summary statement is that, you, I mean, your contributions will help change lives. They... They give kids like me an opportunity to go to a great university and to excel and to get to do their dream. And, you know, it you really help open the door for a lot of student athletes. And without your help and your support, some of them may have never got to that point. And, 
you know, it's your like generous contributions that continue to bring bring East Carolina to one of the forefronts of the American Athletic Conference and the uh, national the National Collegiate Football League. Yeah, no, no doubt, and you know that's something I really think is kind of in this NIL era over the last couple of years has got lost the value of a scholarship uh, because you know I, I'm definitely for guys being able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness as it pertains to selling apparel or, or you know, or doing a commercial for the local car dealership and things of that nature. But um, as you know, it's become something else. It's, you know, it's to induce players to come to your school uh, rather than what it was intended for. And it was very predictable that it's going to end up that way. But, uh, yeah, just I think that uh, the value of a scholarship often gets lost. No, I agree. I think, um, you know, in some of this, some of this money these players are making is insane. And that's definitely an incentive for a lot of guys to choose one program over another. It definitely is. Um, but Alex, re- really appreciate your time. I know you stay very busy, um, but you know, Pirate Nation wish you the best uh, over these next two or three years as you wrap up medical school and uh, you know, begin your career. And uh, we- we'd love to catch up with you again down the road. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Pirate Nation, no doubt. Uh, Pirate Nation, that is former East Carolina defensive lineman and current Texas Southwestern med student Alex Turner. We appreciate you tuning in tonight to the Sports Objective and a Pirate's Life for me. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your summer, and we'll, we'll be talking to you soon with another edition of A Pirate's Life for Me. Take care. Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates.